0: To get the Crime Writers on After Show right now, go to patreon.com slash
1: partners in crime media.
0: I'm Rebecca Lavoy, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, the FBI targeted an NSA translator suspected of leaking classified documents. How did they get her to confess during her interrogation? We'll talk about the HBO film, Reality. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband, and love of my life. Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. He's a little too enthusiastic on the love part. Did that sound passive aggressive? Passive aggressive.
2: <laughs> love of my life. Who keeps forgetting to take out the trash?
0: <laughs> love of my life. Who keeps leaving the laundry for me? Because he says that I do it better than everybody else. Love of my life.
1: He's <laughs> really trying that one? It's worked for 13 Weaponized years. Weaponized incompetence. is nice. Because where the laundry
0: nice. goes. Also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of The Final Curtain, Laura Bricker. Hey, Laura. Hey, Rebecca. And finally, our captain of all things cynical, the author of the City Trilogy of Novels, host of the Stranger Rivals podcast, and our Patreon Deep Dive Book Club podcast host, Toby Ball. Hey, Toby. Hello, Rebecca. Something happened that was really funnier before we started taping, Kevin. What's up? Laura said
3: that Toby's hair was looking long and he was like, I just got a cut like four days ago.
0: <laughs>
3: it was, uh, I think it was because it was brushed back. It looked like he was trying to do a comb over in the style. She meant long not. for Toby. Long for Maybe Toby. Was-
2: yeah. 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 My hair's long I too. Guess.
3: I He's
0: got his puppy cut.
2: Yeah. You know. It's yeah. puppy cut.
0: All right. So, Kevin, it's obviously. That is summer <laughs> whiffle. <laughs> obviously, Kevin, this is Monday's show. Obviously. What is happening on Thursday's podcast?
2: On Thursday, we're going to be talking about the new podcast from Lionsgate Sound. It's called Scamanda. All right. That should be an interesting conversation. Or Scamanda. S- or scam- Scummy Manda. Scamanda. Scamanda. Scamanda.
3: Scamanda.
2: Like Cobra Commander.
3: Scamanda. Cobra, comma, comma, comma. Uh, that's not even a song. I was just up. Scamanda. <laughs> Scamanda.
2: Scamanda.
0: <laughs> Let's just do like a long form analysis of how that podcast name is pronounced, shall we?
2: Bone Valley. It's
0: really good content. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> All right. I really like to talk about the thing we're talking about in this episode. So should we just get to it, Kevin? Let's do it. All right. Leading off. Okay. Well, the reason we're here today is that we have a search warrant for your
1: house. Okay. All right.
3: Uh, Do you know what this might be about? I have no idea. (laughs) Okay. This is about uh, possible mishandling of
1: classified information.
0: On June 3rd, 2017, two FBI agents arrived at the home of Reality Winner, an Arabic language translator with a top secret security clearance. While the team executed a search warrant, the pair gently quizzed the 25-year-old about documents she viewed and whether she may have mishandled classified material.
3: Nothing got out of the building? Nothing. You didn't carry anything out of the building?
0: No, no, and I definitely let everything get searched all the time, so I, I haven't had any other accidents. The agents asked Reality whether she sent secret military documents to online journalists who published the leak. As she revealed more and more about her actions, the whistleblower said she felt the government was lying to the American people.
1: I felt hopeless and seeing that information be contested
2: back and forth, back and forth in the public domain with everything else that just keeps getting released and everything that keeps getting leaked. Like, why can't this get out
0: there? Why can't this be public? The script for the HBO film Reality is made entirely from the interrogation during the espionage case. Sydney Sweeney portrays Reality Winner as smoldering with fear and sadness as Josh Hamilton and Marshawn Davis softly tug the thread on how and why she'd risk everything. Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about plot points from reality, which is, of course, a true story. So if you want to remain spoiler free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes for our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. So, Laura, there is a card that pops up at the beginning of this film that says that all the dialogue in this film is based on the real recordings. And one of the first scenes in the film is, you know, the two FBI agents approaching Sydney Sweeney playing reality winner in the car and the first dialogue we hear is from the tape before it transitions into the voices of the actors. What do you think of this concept of using the tape to inform the fictionalized version of it?
3: I think this this was super unique. I mean, we see so many different Ways that documentaries have tried to bring court transcripts to life and interview transcripts to life. And we've seen like graphics and we've seen actors and we've seen, you know, all sorts of different things. This at face value seems like this could be really fucking boring. It's not. I think it was actually made it more suspenseful. But what was so interesting about it is it's literally, you know, three people basically that are talking and all the ums, all the mix-ups, all the sort of everything from that dialogue was in there, and I think that it made it seem so much more... I mean, it was. It was very realistic. Okay. Why <clears throat> Why did you print that one out?
1: Because um, I wanted to read it. <laughs> uh, the way I, I downloaded
3: it, it, it was hard to read, so uh, mm. uh, it's just... <laughs> It looked like a piece of history. But then take that dialogue and add on the actor, actress's portrayal of those people with that dialogue, with the facial expressions and the body language and everything else. And it really created a really poignant picture of what happened in this case.
0: Kevin, what are your thoughts about that? About the use of the real dialogue from the interrogation to inform the scripted version?
2: Well, you know, I know this is based on a play. Which is the same thing. Just took the transcript again with all the ums and the ahs and the the stumbles and, you know, even the sneezing fit, I guess. Uh, having gone through it, I just don't know what the writer sees in this interrogation that was so enlightening. It need to be recounted word for word. Hmm. It does build with some suspense. But as far as big dramatic reveals and a lot of interesting conflict. I didn't find it here. And as somebody who has, you know, for a living, gone through transcripts of police interviews, trying to mine some kind of, uh, you know, dramatic nugget. You know, I just, you know, looking for what's interesting and important. You know, 100% of a transcript, you just, you're left with zero subtext, right? It's just, everything's not, it's all text. There's no subtext to any of the writing because you're just, regurgitating uh, a recorded transcript. So I don't know how you get emotionally into that.
0: I disagree with you. I actually think the transcript was very illuminating and very revealing about the technique the FBI used to elicit information from this young person. I mean, she's a woman, obviously, but she's also young. And I think it was very interesting how they sort of employed the comfort and discomfort of her own home, in the interrogation. And I think the sort of like, we're with you, we're not with you. It's much more subtle that we see like in on television, like in as as dramatized. I think seeing it as it really took place is actually more dramatic for me in many ways. Toby, what did you think about this? Because like you are a person who writes fiction. I'm curious about what you think about seeing the real dialogue on screen in the scripted version.
1: Well, I mean, I think for this, it's almost kind of necessary because you know what she leaked is so politically charged that I think it's really tempting, depending on what side of the political spectrum you are on, to make her a hero or a villain and sort of vice versa for the FBI guys. So I think by sticking completely with reality, you know, but uh, as you can, yeah. you know, I I think that's the way to do it, and I think. I don't know. I'd be interested because to me, the subtext seemed very present. You know, if you know what she is accused of leaking and they kind of tease it at the beginning by showing the Fox stuff that's going on in, in her office, you know, it's, it's a tricky time. I don't know if 20 years from now, somebody will see this and be like, what the hell is this all about? But I don't know. And especially knowing what happens at the end, I just like felt the whole time. It was just like, I just kind of felt like my stomach was 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 dropping. I was just like, this is not this is not gonna end well for this this poor right. young woman. And you know, the first thing I'm like, she you know, they showed you a warrant. And I realize you're you're 22 or 23 or whatever. Just fucking call a lawyer. Yeah, you know, I mean, they're not showing a, they're not searching your house for no reason just because right. they want to have a chat well, with they, you. They
0: approach very softly. They approach very, 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 very softly. They're very good at getting people to not even think about calling a lawyer. To me, the other reason why the real interrogation tape was interesting is what really happened is very different from the story that was told by officials on the news that we see at the end. It's very different. And I think it's really important for us to see actually how different it was from what they say she actually said, right?
3: Oh, I agree. I agree. I think it was because, I mean, obviously I was going by what I'd seen on the news. And then you see this and I, I felt the more this went on, the more sympathy I was feeling for her as that person who's coming from a defense side, like, Oh my God, like she's not asking for a lawyer. They're not even like, they're trying to just like lowball everything. So she doesn't even feel like she's being interrogated. They're mixing up that interrogation. Can we just say how bizarre that was? We go from like asking her questions that are about you know, leaking classified information to like, how much can you lift? Why did you go to Belize? Like, how fat is your cat? Like, just it was like such a juxtaposition. And, I don't know. It just it just made stick me angry. Stick carrot, stick carrot, stick carrot. That's the way yeah. It works. But it was just maddening to yeah. watch.
1: And you don't know what's important, right. right? They're just asking you about all this stuff, and it's just like da 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 da. And then suddenly they ask something that's important, and you don't see it coming.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about Sydney Sweeney in this. Uh, her performance. Kevin, thoughts.
2: Oh, it's great. I'm. I'm wondering: is it possible that uh, Sydney Sweeney can give a great performance with almost nothing to work with? Just a couple of bits of dialogue or more than two sentences. She doesn't have a lot to work with as far as lines, but her physicality and her facial expressions are just so very powerful. Cameron gets in really close as we, you know, the the longer we go along, super tight. She's got like the red-eyed sadness and like her fear is so palpable. You know, you can kind of see like a little bit of the quivering of her, her lips, things like that. And it's just, it's really great. I like to, I think of it's like, She took a number two pencil and somehow was able to turn it into a paintbrush with colors. I think she really elevated the the material and just is kind of a wonder to look at.
3: What do you think, Laura? Yeah, I mean, I think that the nuances in her expression were just they felt so real to me. I mean, it was so intense. Like you could watch her eyes and you could see like four or five different Emotions crossing through during one line of questioning, and realize what she was thinking, or feel like you know what she was thinking. She's got this very deadpan delivery. She's keeping everything very cool, and she's trying to keep it cool. But then you can see when she starts to crack um, when she's sitting on the floor, and everybody's getting all like wobbly and blurry or whatever when she's waiting for the water. That was really the highlight of this documentary was her performance. Um, but I feel like she also managed to bring through these really quirky parts of reality's personality. The pink AR-15, the Glock 9, and the 15 gauge in the house then contrasted with, well, you're going to take my phone because I'm teaching yoga tomorrow and my yoga mixes on that. Of course, that the search is still going on. Uh, in the case that I don't have memorized, uh,
1: the woman, her name is Kathy... She works at the Augusta Humane Society. She can okay. come and pick up the dog in the case that uh, I'm
3: yeah. not here tonight. Well, let's don't. Uh, okay.
0: Toby, I was just thinking like when you're, when you're acting a transcript and I, I you left a note along these lines and I kept thinking it the whole time and you're even repeating somebody's speech patterns. Like, and I thought this with the FBI agents too, you know, even in, inserting the ums and ahs and coughs and sneezes, it could sound like you're reading from a script it could sound that way so easily even if you are a great actor and if i didn't know that this was verbatim from the script like i wouldn't know like that's how good sydney sweeney and also i mean that's how good the fbi dudes are too but that's how good she is especially because she has to do so much with her expression because she's like kind of talking the least in this whole thing
1: yeah, I mean, it, I mean, part of it is that it's it's real, right? It's come from a real transcript. But part of it, I, I think, there's sort of emotional realism in the way that, say, the end of Ozark, when I was like being critical of Ruth's going off. Well,
0: are you gonna fucking do this shit or what?
1: Um, mm-hmm. like this to me feels real because it is, but it it, it seems like the way normal people. Kind of behave in these situations, and 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 I thought, you know, again, Sydney like Sweeney. I think what she sort of the dawning of what trouble she's in. I think she kind of brings out very well because at first she thinks she's gonna kind of just, you know, tough it out, and then she's gonna tell little lies and little lies, and then there's something this realizations like, you know, what I'm just totally fucked. Like they know everything, and this sort of trying to bluff them is is, has never been in the cards from the very beginning yeah and they're just having me kind of dig a deeper hole although they also apparently seem quite concerned about why she did it like that that seems it comes through and maybe again it's the actors but it comes through as sort of a genuine interest because otherwise they could have just said hey look this is what we got on you you're screwed come with us instead, they play this thing like we really like your dogs. We're dog people. Let's let's make sure your cat's okay, um, to try and kind of get her to talk about these.
0: Let's put your perishables more personal in the, things in the, yeah. in the refrigerator. Let's get that
1: lettuce in the crisper
0: to give you a sense that you're fine, right?
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, you certainly get uh, what they say. Attract more flies with honey than vinegar, right? So they're like sweet talking. It'd be like saying, "Hey, dear sweet listener." We'd love for you to join us on Patreon. It's just like that. It's just like that. Because we have the most wonderful listeners in the world. What would you say
0: if we told you... It's so much
1: better than waterboarding them and making them.
0: Yes. Yes. What would you say, listener, if we told you we knew that you wanted to join our Patreon?
2: Yeah, we'd give you all the great stuff. Like, you could get the Crime Writers on After Show. Uh, This week, we're going to be revisiting Yellow Jackets as the season finale has happened. So we're kind of going back a little bit from... Last week's episode, kind of get our thoughts about how it all wound up, and we might also dip into the story of Lara's weekend in the forest, pooping in a bucket, pooping in a bucket, peeing in a silicone funnel or whatever she was doing.
3: <laughs> I didn't bring that. It was it was a stupid device. Oh I, I didn't bring it. <laughs> Did we talk you out of it? No, I just realized I was packing too much stuff, and I was trying to be a little more minimalist. And I was like, this is stupid. I'm just going to (laughs) squat.
2: So for folks that are sponsoring us at the Let's Do What We Do level, you get all of these uh, Crime Writers On episodes ad-free and early, so you already would have heard our discussion about reality. And if you support us at the Deep Dive level, you can get an early look and even participate in the recording of Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club. Toby is recording tonight. And they're talking about the book Rogues. And Toby, tell us about your all-star cast that's going to be joining your discussion.
1: Uh, So we've got from Crime Scene, uh, we've got Sarah Carradine. And I think we've all been on Crime Scene at this point, right? Yes. uh, Yeah, so they did the quadfecta or whatever of us. So anyway, she's awesome. Uh, We have uh, Livy Burdett. Sometimes Ooh. known as the very handsome line editor, Libby Burdett. She's great. And finally, uh, one of my favorite podcasters, Leah Satilli. Mm. Um, so it should be a good conversation. One of everybody's favorite podcasters. Yeah, yeah.
2: So also, we want you to uh, sign up for our newsletter, CrimeWritersOn.com, but also join our Facebook group. Yes. We know that despite everything in the world, you swear you're going to never go on Facebook again. But you do. Yes. And we just want you to join the group. It's a wonderful group. Very supportive. You can talk about stuff that's on the show or true crime or just stuff in general because people always participate. It's called the Official Crime Writers on Facebook Discussion Group. And just search for that. And we'll just, you know, we don't have like a recapture where we put up like photos of like, you know, which one of these is Lars' cats and you got to click on them. We just ask a question like, who's your favorite crime writer? Now, I'm not saying that if you pick Rebecca all the time, I'm going to stop letting people in. Uh, but it just lets us to know that, like, yeah, you're a real listener and we want you to be part of our group. We really do. We really
0: do. People don't pick me all the time.
2: No, no, it's a good, good cross-section. It is a
0: good cross-section. You've been getting a lot lately, Kevin. I always let them ones in who pick you, so you never get to see them.
2: Yes, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I never get to I see them. I just start
0: screen capping it for you so you could see.
2: No, that's fine. I know. I get the love everywhere. All
0: so. right. Kevin, does that do it for our business section?
2: Thus ends the business
0: section. I'm going to go ahead and fade that music out right now.
2: Disney Plus and Hulu
3: are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney+, Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone, in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney+, and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. So, Kevin, there really is
0: one element of this film that adds a lot of suspense. At least it did for me. Is it the pets? Yes. The dog in the side yard when she kept saying, she's fine. She's fine. She doesn't need water. And I'm like, get the dog some fucking water. And the cat, with the fear the cat was going to get out, right?
2: Yes. I mean, for me, that was the most suspense of the whole thing. There's a cat in the house, in the bed, or was on the bed. On the bed?
0: Or Or was on the bed. It'll probably go under the bed at some point.
2: The
3: dog is in the backyard, in the fence.
2: I mean, I'll tell you, if the FBI were knocking on my door and I thought I was going to be going to jail that night. Yeah, that's probably the first thing in my mind is, A, you know, who's going to watch the pets? And B, when can I get my phone back? And that's, I think, very natural. So for me, I always wonder, like, well, when they come and they raid people's houses and they take them away, I wonder what they do with the pets.
3: Yeah. Well, I I know that is something in this case, I really felt like I wanted at the end when it's like, and this happened and this happened. And I'm like, but what happened to the dog and the cat? Like, what happened to the dog and the cat? Because I need an update on this. And
2: they were executed for espionage.
3: Yeah, because that would be my main concern is like, who's taking care of my animals? I mean, aside from the fact that I'm going to jail, that part was really sad. And when she thought the cat was like escaping the house at one point and that big guy was just like, whatever, like he didn't seem to care until he picked on the cat. So, yeah, we need a resolution. Where are reality's pets today?
0: There were a couple really like telling lines from this. And this is the other reason why I like the, like the real interrogation when they were like, you've been gone a long time. Are you sure your dogs don't need to, your pet doesn't need to be let out, which shows that like they were like surveying her house for a while, right, before she came home. And the whole thing about is your AR-15 pink, right? Like, so they were looking at her social media and all that stuff. Like, there was just a lot of like very telling small things that like she didn't seem to be picking up on <laughs> about the FBI visiting her house, which I thought was uh, super interesting and that sort of surreal thing about which kind of like falls into place at the end when she says she'd been applying for her heightened clearance. And she thought that may have been why they were there at first, which why which is just why she didn't seem super afraid at the beginning. Um, one of the things I want to talk about is The Intercept. You know, The Intercept is this place that uh, sort of founded itself on being quote fearless journalism. Um, and, Obviously, uh, the Intercept was the Snowden outlet, Uh, Glenn Greenwald, when he was there, before he turned into the Glenn Greenwald of yore. Um, Toby, what do you think of the fact that the Intercept played a role in reality winners outing in this case?
1: Uh, It seems to me that they did a pretty big disservice to her by not being able to... Uh, write their article in such a way that it couldn't be traced back to a single document that she'd released. It just seems like malpractice. And I I can't, like, I I don't know how anybody after that would be willing to send The Intercept anything just because the assumption would have to be that they would end up tracing it back to you. Um, So for a place that, like, that's their reason for being, it's just a totally screwed her over and then you know i think the irony again is that like within 48 hours members of congress are talking about the exact content of the stuff that she leaked on the house floor uh talking about you know election security so anyway yeah i, I poorly done by the intercept and again i you know that that seemed like that would be like a death blow to a place like that but apparently not
0: Kevin, so reality ultimately, you know, admits what she did, right? Mm-hmm, yep. And then the FBI agents go on this whole thing where they're sort of pressing her about the whys. And they, they go on this sort of long section of like, we don't think you're this kind of person. Like, what do you think that is about? Do you think that that's authentic or do you think that's an attempt to really trap her into more confession?
2: Well, I don't know if they actually believe that, that she's not a bad person or whatever. I, I think that a lot of people could, you know, when you look at her youth, you could see how misguided her actions were. However, I think it's a good technique to elicit information from a suspect. You know, you could go the whole re-technique, or you can do things where you ask curious questions and you kind of leave it open and let them talk. And did she talk herself into a confession? Well, she certainly ended up giving a lot of uh, incriminating evidence about herself just because they were asking the right questions. And they weren't, you know, coming on so strong. They weren't being intimidating. That just wasn't going to work with her. So if this were like the, you know, based on a true story version of this case, these cops would be different. I should say these agents would be different, right? You'd have a good cop and a bad cop. And here they seem really more like two good agents where they're not, they're not, we're playing her. um, They're not playing off of one another, trying to create, you know, triangulate on this sort of, you know, emotional dynamic. They just know that she's troubled and they're just working uh, through it. So I I think in a way, that's how you want law enforcement to conduct interrogations. You don't want them using heavy handed techniques. If they can talk to somebody and, and, find the information that they want that way. I mean, I I don't have a problem with that.
0: It's almost like I did see sort of a weird juxtaposition in their dynamic. So like agent Garrick was the more like going at her with the, what if we told you we knew X, Y, Z, but sort of like the disapproving dad in a bad cop, but like soft pedal bad cop while agent Taylor is the one sort of like fist bumping her over how much she could lift and was the one joking with her over how many carbs her cat ate and is the one like really you know like you know what I mean but there also is and it just kept occurring to me like there is some sort of weird camaraderie with people who have like a government service background that they could really use, like it just made me think of like this must but was kind of it must be with the dynamic is like when cops question other cops about crimes that cops committed, you know there must be sort of this like you know we know you CrossFit right mm-hmm. you know we know by the way CrossFit very very funny place to start an interrogation, <sighs> <laughs> in my opinion. But
2: he's trying to make connections, emotional connections, and you know you know reporters do that, salesmen do that, yeah. so. Um, that works.
0: What did you think, Laura, when they would insert little moments of the real reality winner stuff into the film? Like sometimes there would be a photo on a desk and it would really be reality winner. Or sometimes they would Uh take a picture of Sidney Sweeney and then you see the real photo of Sidney Sweeney. Sometimes they would show the document and you would see the real redaction. But then when they stopped doing the redactions, there would be these little injections of reality into the film reality. What'd you think about that?
3: I like that. And I think I especially liked how they were inserting actual clips of news from that time. It really sort of, if you were around when this was unfolding, inserting the Fox News coverage when James Comey is testifying on the wall TV in her office and her talking. You know, that's one of the things when she finally starts to, you know, crack towards the end of this interview where she references, you know, that she wanted the TVs to be anything but Fox news, you know, but that they wouldn't. And, and that was sort of when she finally became more forthcoming with her information. But I liked, um, the social media when they would pop up her social media, like when she went off to Belize, um, for, I mean, just a weekend jaunt. Cause she wanted to see the ruins. I'm like, yeah. And she was doing her CrossFit contest. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I liked that. And I thought, you know, that Sydney Sweeney was close enough to reality when you looked at them from that distance that it wasn't distracting to me. I just thought it also brought to light like what you were saying earlier that they had like, here's these images. They've been looking at her social media and here's her social media and here's what they were seeing on it. Right. So
0: Toby, there is the moral question uh, at the center of this real story and at the center of this film And, you know, I think it's pretty clear that reality winner did not do what she did because she, quote, hates America, um, but because there is a secret that she felt should not have been kept secret. So what do you think? Like, what should be kept secret and what shouldn't be kept secret? What's the line here, especially in this particular case where Russian interference was being kept hidden from the American people and there were media stories saying it didn't happen and like the government was allowing that narrative to continue?
1: You know, I think the information like should have gotten out. At the time there was a huge sort of partisan I guess it continues today, the huge partisan debate about whether and the extent to which Russia messed with the twenty sixteen election, and that's that's what this document she has points to. And and it seems as though in the end, the issue really isn't about that. It's about the fact that what she turned over had information about you know methods and resources sources, or whatever yeah. methods and sources, and, and that that was the mistake. And I and I can I, I get that. I mean I, I guess that's stuff that probably should be kept secret. But you know I think there's a troubling basic default uh, in the government. You know regardless of who's in in power. I mean like every president will talk good until they become actually president. And then suddenly it's like, okay, we're not letting anybody know anything. And as a matter of fact, we're going to like track down people who leak anything to the extent that we can. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's there's this unfortunate default to secrecy and in something like this, which has like actually huge ramifications for how we kind of view a major, major event in our country. You know, I think that I think that deserves to get out. If there was some way that she could have cut out
0: <laughs> sources the and sources methods. and
1: methods part of it, that probably would have been ideal.
0: Yeah. I So there's another thing that, like, I don't think that people are thinking about. I think that there's this sense of like, you know, Fox News was saying this and it just wasn't true. And that made her angry. And that's why this needed to get out or whatever. There's another huge reason why this shouldn't have been kept secret is because lots of other elected officials, like election officials, didn't know that Russia may have compromised their systems and lists because the federal government did not tell state and local officials this information. And this was information that essentially could have made elections less secure going forward because local and state officials weren't told that their systems were potentially compromised. So this being a secret, like could have made the Russian interference worse going forward like that is the reason to not keep it secret because like our local town moderator like like needs to know that these things are happening so they know what to look for and they know like what patches to put in place or whatever I don't know I mean it's it's more than just the yes it is true Tucker Carlson thing um and I think it's it's very this story it's you know it's, you know, Snowden leaked that the American government was spying on its own people. That was an important story that, you know, I do think that people deserve to know in principle, but this is a story that like people deserve to know in more than principle and more than like, you know, or civil rights reasons. Like this is like practical reasons why people need to know this. That's my opinion anyway. Kevin, what do you think?
2: Well, also, I mean, put aside what the information is. And what it's about and the impact and whatnot. The problem is who decides that, no, the world should know this. I'm going to myself, you know, laterally declassify this or that. The system, and we see this again in the news today, where we have a young, low-level enlisted man, a reservist, with access to top-secret material... Who just decides, oh, well, I guess it's okay for me because I see it to, to, you know. Put it on Discord. Put it on Discord and pass it around. And so one of the problems is, isn't there like a million people in the U.S., contractors and other government officials who have top secret clearance? Mm -hmm. We got to come up like with another level of secrecy because it's not top secret if a million people have access to it, right? So it just is like, who's going to make that decision? She makes it herself. I'm not saying that the world didn't need to know that, but who's gonna decide now what the next thing is? It is a slippery slope and that's why it's a crime.
0: But without whistleblowers, we wouldn't have some of the most important like protections that we have. Right. That
2: isn't what I'm saying. No,
0: I know. I know. That's why it's a crime. The question is, yeah, well,
2: (laughs) should she do it? I mean morally yes. There's a reason why she shouldn't though, too.
1: I think the difference with her, maybe, than Snowden and this guy whose name I can't remember who's doing on Discord is, I mean, she did one document which she sent mm-hmm. to a journalism source. I mean, Snowden was just like yeah, just indiscriminate amounts of information. And then this guy on the Discord is the same thing. It's just random shit to show to impress his buddies, according to. It
0: was literally the to reports. impress his buddies. Yes. Yeah,
1: I mean that that's that's the way it's kind of put across. So that that feel, that feels like that's a little different to me then finding a piece of information that you think is vitally important and getting it to a journalistic source. But again, you know, I don't necessarily have a problem with her being punished for it. I, again, I, the idea that you would do three years in prison seems a little much like this seems like a good, like six months, plus you could never have a top secret clearance again.
0: Yeah. Longest sentence in the history. Like the longest kind of crime ever. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but I think it was five years, but she only did three and then she had two years of supervision or something. Isn't that what the the notes said? Yeah, she's out right now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: All right, let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out Reality? It is on HBO and the app Max. Laura Bricker, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for Reality?
3: Yeah, this is a thumbs up for me. I thought this was a really unique way to approach this story using the actual transcripts uh, from the FBI audio recording of this whole interaction that the FBI agents had with reality. And it sounds on surface like this is going to be super boring. We've literally got three people for the most part in this that are the main characters in a really grungy room in the back of this house. But it really worked for me. And I think, you know, the performance of Sydney Sweeney as reality really pushed it to another level in terms of just the nuances that she brought to this character as she was recreating, you know, what was in the transcripts. And I think, you know, I think it's important to see this because there was one version of this story uh, or, you know, that we saw when she was first arrested in the mainstream media. And when you watch this and know that this is actually based on the transcript of the FBI interview with her, another story comes to light. And for me, it made me, um, that defense investigator in me, pretty riled up watching how it played out. But I think it's important viewing, and I think it was a, a good performance.
0: Toby Ball, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for reality?
1: Yeah, I, I really like this. I, I thought it succeeded in, a, in several different ways. I think it succeeds as sort of an examination of the way in which the government goes about, uh, at least in this case, talking to somebody who it has very strong reasons to uh, suspect has leaked classified information. I thought sort of the techniques and and the way that all goes was interesting. Uh, I thought the political undertones, which they, they, they play very, very subtly. uh, But I thought that was interesting. And I think it also just works as like kind of a thriller, even though, you know, what's going to happen at the end. I, I at least felt like, From the beginning, you just have this sinking feeling like you just know what's going to happen to her and you're kind of watch it play out and you can kind of see the calculations she's making about, you know, what she thinks she can get away with and how things change as it go on. I don't know. I I thought it was, I thought it was very compelling. I wasn't quite sure if I would think so, but once it started, I thought it was great. So I'm a, I'm a big thumbs up. Kevin Flynn.
2: I'm a thumbs down. Uh, I was really disappointed in this. I will say that Sydney Sweeney is amazing in this. I think that her acting is uh, uh, sublime. It's, you know, very visceral. She says so much with her face and she needs to because there's really not a lot for her to say here. The whole idea of, you know, using a transcript verbatim to be the basis of a piece of entertainment, I i don't know why this was the one you tried to do it with because I just don't think this went anywhere. I thought it was very boring. What we gain in verisimilitude, we lose in vision. And we don't really have a vision here. And I just find that as I just parse through this and thinking like, you know, we don't even get to what this is about till 30 minutes into this. And that might be pretty short for an actual interrogation, but it's long for a movie that's an hour and 25 minutes. So thumbs down.
0: Uh, huge thumbs up for me. I actually loved this film. I found it to be incredibly suspenseful, incredibly claustrophobic and close, which is kind of like I agree with Toby that it has a very thriller like feel in that way. And, you know, the little elements of suspense that they bring in, such as the dog in the side yard, such as a dirty room that Sidney Sweeney is kind of embarrassed about, such as the fact that, like, she doesn't want to sit down. I mean, there's a very small elements That just, to me, added a very real, uh, grounded in reality, for lack of a better word, sense of dread to a story that, like, I thought I knew more about than I did. I think this film is better than the sum of its parts. And the sum of its parts, one of the parts that it has, are just tremendous performances, especially by Sydney Sweeney, who I like very much as an actor anyway, ever since I saw her for the first time in White Lotus season one. I know that a lot of Euphoria fans out there will be like, screw you, she's in Euphoria, but I know her mostly from White Lotus season one. Anyway, big thumbs up for me for reality. I would recommend go out and watch it. Now it's time for my favorite part of the podcast, a little something I like to call the crime, crime of, of the week. The week. Now that drivers in Georgia can use their own selfies for their digital IDs, the state is reminding folks to put clothes on. A Facebook post from the Department of Driver Services asked people to cover up when submitting the pics, urging residents to, quote, keep it classy. The photos can be used for digital driver's licenses that you can use in your Apple wallet and other products. Facebook users flooded the thread wanting to know if this was a real problem or just an ingenious way to publicize the service. The department won't say if they're actually getting spicy selfies, but as the kids say, pics or it didn't happen. So panel, if you were pulled over, what would the officer say
3: when they look at your nude license? Lara Bricker, what do you think? oh my god is that a ghost her skin is so white (laughs) (laughs) Toby what would the officer say
0: when they looked at your nude license
1: I think it would just be sort of a a sad shake of the head
0: (laughs) what about you Kevin
1: you really are driving a ram
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to leave it there. Rebecca, care to comment on that? Nope. Lara Bricker, if folks want to reach out to you and find out how pale you are on social media, how can they find you there? They can find me at
1: Lara Bricker.
3: Toy if ball. they
0: can see me. <laughs> Toy ball, If folks want to reach out to you, how can they find you on the socials?
1: Uh, At Toby Ball and H.
0: Kevin Flynn. If people want to see your Dodge Ram, how can they find you on social media? to Kevin
2: Flynn. No, No, Kevin P. Flynn. (laughs) (laughs) I took the P out.
0: (laughs) And if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you can find me at Reb Lavoy. Follow the show everywhere at Crime Writers On, and I encourage you to join our incredible community and our official Crime Writers On Facebook group. We also have a regular old Facebook page, by the way. Get episodes early and ad-free at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You'll also get the Crime Raiders on After Show, Married with Podcast, Laura Bricker's Leave it to Bricker Podcast, and Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club Podcast. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons, Our line editor is the very handsome Livy Burdett. The executive producer of this program is Kevin Flynn. This show was recorded in the Treehouse Yoga Studio above the Mockingbird Cafe in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi Studio, otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our New Hampshire basement, where we also just want to let the dog out and put the perishables in the fridge. Mm -hmm. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you Later. Later. How's it going? It's going all right. How are you
3: doing? Good. I survived uh, the camping expedition. I saw. I uh, didn't poop in a bucket or the woods. No. Save it. No, I'm
0: just saving it.
3: Save it. Why? (laughs) Let's
0: just talk about it. No, I meant save the
3: poop.